All right, our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 6, 24, 34. And I will give you a few minutes to locate that on your electronic devices and look it up on page uh, 1013 in your Bible there in front of you in the pew. And while you're doing that, again, I'd like to welcome and, uh, our guests and visitors. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to see these smiling faces all on this side of the room. Tomorrow, next time, we're going to work it over here, all right? All right, let's go. Matthew 6, 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what, <clears throat> what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you are worrying you can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not, <coughs> excuse me, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans ran after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God bless the reading of this scripture. All right. Well. Sorry about the, if, if your kids are still here and want to go to Children's Church, they can go on now. I, we had a, a misplace of our children's dismissal thing, and, and I, I put it in the wrong place, so that's my fault. But uh, we can, let's, let's let them go if they haven't gone yet and want to go to Children's Church. Uh, we'll, we can put that up there, too. <laughs> so they can head on back to Children's Church and, um, if they haven't already, and they're going to have a good time back there. While we're in here talking about live long and prosper, and we're, this is a little bit misleading, you know, because the introduction said, do you want to, or get ready to live long and prosper, and I'm kind of doing a bait and switch on you with this series, but, uh, you know, first off, just want to point out that some of you immediately recognize what's going on here with this, with this sermon title. Um, because either you know something about Star Trek, or you are a, a Trekkie. All right, and and so, but others of you are here, and and you don't even know what a Trekkie is, and you're not sure that they should be allowed in church, <laughs> or whether whether we allow that to happen. Uh, but whether you know what a Trekkie is or not, and whether you're into Star Trek, will really not have much bearing on what you can get out of this series. But I was curious, uh, you know, how many of you can do the what is it, the Vulcan salute, the uh, the uh, you know Spock's live long and prosper. We've got several people that have, you know, coordinated fingers. That's, that's good to see. <laughs> Some of y'all may have to work on that at lunchtime. But <laughs> uh, it comes from this, you know, you may recognize this. Live long and prosper. 
<laughs> live long and prosper. So, so we're basing it kind of on that, which actually, you know, that comes from Scripture, where uh, we're in the, actually in the Ten Commandments. They say, honor your father and mother, and if you'll do this, you'll live long and prosper in the land that I'm going to give you. And, and so it kind of comes from that. But what we're going to do with this series is, is kind of talk about this desire that we have to live long and prosper. I mean, all people want to live long and prosper. I mean, we, most of us, we really like that idea of living long and prospering. But the problem is that in our fallen, broken, messed up world that we live in, most of us don't live nearly as long as we'd like or prosper nearly as much as we'd like. And so we turn to things that we think are going to help us with that, right? And, uh, and throughout the ages, throughout ancient civilization, people have, often, have always wanted to live long and prosper. And so, you know, they'll turn to government in hopes that government will help them live long and prosper. They'll, they'll turn to uh, science and technology and medical advancements in hopes that, you know, that can help them live long and prosper. They'll even turn to religion, right? In hopes that religion will help them live long and prosper. And, and people see this and they say, hey, I can take advantage of that. And so some guys, they'll get into to politics, right? In the name of helping people live long and prosper. And some of them have noble intentions, some of them not so much, right? We know that. And, and same thing happens in the business world and in the science, technology, medical world. Some people get into that business. And then there's people who get into the business of religion for the purpose of telling people and selling this of, hey, you can live long and prosper. Just come subscribe to whatever we're teaching. And this has happened through the ages. In fact, uh, it happens in Christianity, right? And in fact, you know, what the kind of the actual purpose, the bait and switch of this thing is that even though we all want Scripture to tell us how we can live long and prosper in this life, uh, a lot of times that's not the narrative. Not exactly. And, and But it gets twisted, doesn't it, sometimes, by the guys that want to sell the, oh, come hear me, come to my church, and you can live long and prosper. And so what we're actually doing is, is what Paul talked about when he wrote to, the, uh, wrote to a guy he was mentoring named Timothy. And the Apostle Paul wrote to this guy who was later in, his, in Paul's life, and he said, he warned him, he said, Timothy, for the time's coming when men will not put up with sound doctrine, and instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And so what we're going to try to do in this series is what, what Paul told Timothy to do, and that is preach the word, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So we're going to try and do that with regards to this uh, theology that's preached in many of our churches in America. That's a gospel, a theology of prosperity. And it, it, sometimes it's seen pretty blatantly. You know, you may have seen it on, on TV or you may have visited a church where it was preached heavily. Or it may just be something that seeps into our Christian culture as a nation and, and we kind of just buy into some of it without even really knowing what we're buying into. So we're going to talk about it today because it's popular in our culture, maybe more popular in Christian culture in America than it's ever been anywhere. But it's old. It goes way back. In fact, as I was planning this series out, and, and in fact I had planned it three weeks to talk about wealth and then health and then success. I fear those are kind of the three big areas where this gets preached in our nation. And you know what caught my interest was 
I realized that when Satan was tempting Jesus out in the wilderness, some of you, if you've been, you know, if you grew up in Sunday school, you doubtless know the story of Jesus was out there for 40 days, he's fasting, and, and he's tempted by Satan in this wilderness three times. And I was shocked that, you know, I had lined it up wealth, health, and success, and guess what? <laughs> Satan tempted Jesus, in a sense, with wealth, health, and success. And the very first temptation, you may remember, was, why don't you turn... This, these rocks into bread. You know, aren't you the son of God? In other words, you know, aren't you the king? I mean, if you're the son of God, isn't all of the wealth in the world yours? Then you shouldn't have to go hungry like this. Just turn it into bread. And, and so, here this first week, we're going to talk about live long and prosper with regard to wealth. What does the Bible, what does Jesus actually teach us about living longer and prospering when it comes to wealth in this life. Now, when I was in, well, I was shortly out of college, and, and I had a roommate, we were both history teachers, and we were also both hopelessly single. All right, and, and so our mission at that stage of life, starting out in our career hopelessly single, was to meet Christian young ladies. Right? And so the church where we had been attending, you know, some... It, it was just, there was no hope there, it felt like. So we thought, well, we'll visit this church. They had, we'd seen the billboard, and it had a cool logo, and it said, Victory Church. It just, you know, and it was nearby where we lived at the time. And we thought, well, we'll go check it out. And so we showed up, I guess just in time for the offering, and they asked us to uh, hold hands with our neighbors. Now, it's a first-time guest. That's a little unusual, but okay. Good to meet you. <laughs> Let's hold hands. And then he said, go ahead and, and let's read this PowerPoint slide together before we take our offering this morning. And we proceeded to read words we had never seen before that said something to the effect of, we will give generously and faithfully knowing that it will be returned back to us, you know, tenfold or whatever it was, multiplied back to us in the, in the form of raises, in the form of inheritances, in the form of, you know, money found lying around on the ground, or whatever. And the list went on and on and on, all the ways that God was just going to return the blessings in heaps. And then we got to hear the, uh, the preacher talk about his testimony a little bit, of how when they had just been starting Victory Church, they had been driving around, and they saw this beautiful, you know, house up on the hill, and boy, his wife and he were talking about, man, you know, it'd be, wouldn't it be great, but we'll, ne- we'll never live, you know, doing ministry, we'll never live in a house like that. And then he said, no. No, we're not going to think like that. God, I believe God wants us to have that house. We're going to pray for this house. And he said, you know where I live today, folks? <laughs> In that house on the hill. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the lesson was that can happen to you too. If you'll just claim the promises of God and, and you know, pray a circle around it, boom, <laughs> it'll happen for you. And so, you know... Hopefully we would all, you know, if we were sitting in that seat, would all feel a little uncomfortable with that. You know, that's a little bit beyond what we read in Scripture, right? Hopefully we would all notice that and, and do what we did, which was not go back. <laughs> and so, but, but that's not often the case. And in many cases, it comes in just little nuanced ways into our life. You know, we, we hear verses that, we, that make us feel good about what you know got the hope that we can have for this life and and we we cling to those things and if we're honest a lot of us we do feel a little bit like if we live faithfully if we give faithfully 
then doesn't God owe us? I mean, we, we might not say owe us, but that's kind of what we're thinking, right? That's kind of what we're getting at, that, hey, I've done this, this, and this. Shouldn't I at least, you know, just have a basic good lifestyle at least? You know, God should bless me with that. Shouldn't I get that? And, and part of the problem with that maybe is that in our culture, you know, we've, we've elevated a lot of wants into needs, Right? And so we, we were told by culture that, you know, you need this, this, and this to have a basic lifestyle. I mean, take cell phones, for instance, right? I mean, every, we live in a culture that you know, everyone has a, it's like the fourth right listed in the Declaration of Independence, I think, is a right to a cell phone, right? Everyone has a right to a cell we, ha, we have to have them, except, you know, what about all the people who ever lived, like, forever, you know, that didn't have cell phones until the last 10 years, you know, but, but we've got to have them. And, and the list could go on and on, you know, with, the, with TVs. We've got to have not only the TV, but the cable package to go with it. You know, we, things that we just assume, we've got to have bottled water. Speaking of which, where's my... We've got to have, but you can't just have tap water. It's not as good. Especially here in West Monroe, sometimes it looks a little brown or something. I don't know. And so you get the bottled water. <laughs> we, we've got, uh, you know, we have to have comfortable furniture. We've got to have, you know, if you're, if you're not married, you've got to have, you need a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? That's a sermon for another day. but <laughs> well, Maybe not. But we, we get into this thing and we, we expect, you know, I mean, if we didn't have, if those things were taken away, we'd be like, well, God, what's the deal? What's the deal? I mean, haven't I been faithful? So, where's your end of the deal? So, in some sense or another, many of us, maybe most of us, buy into the idea that if we're faithful, then we should live long and prosper in this life. And so I want to just, let's take some time today and, and see what Scripture says about it. Because the thing is, the people that, that sell this, you know, they sell it well. All right? And they'll use Scripture. They'll find passages like Malachi 3.10 and, and false teachers who want to preach a gospel of prosperity. They'll say, well, look at this verse, you know, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I mean, that sounds pretty, that sounds like a lot of blessings. They'll also, you know, tie that to some verses like the ones we love, right? We love these verses. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, or Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. And we cling to these verses, and we expect them to apply in this way as well. The problem is that the preachers that want to use this to their advantage, they'll often skip the whole context thing, right? They'll skip the scriptural context, they'll skip the historical context. They certainly won't mention to you that many of the people to whom these promises were made didn't even see those promises fulfilled in their generation, Right? They won't mention things like that. <laughs> they won't mention the fact that the church in Rome to whom those promises were written were facing persecution every day. They won't mention that. And they take truth and they twist it a little bit and all of a sudden 
It sounds really good and it sounds really true, but is it? The passage that we read just a few moments ago is in Matthew 6. And this is part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's a collection of Jesus' teachings to his disciples. And and the setting, we're told, is that there's this multitude there. But Jesus' disciples come and sit at his feet. And he begins to teach them. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're here today, then this is expressly for you. And if you're here today and you're still trying to make up your mind about Jesus then feel free to join the multitude that was there listening, trying to make up their mind about Jesus because they were listening in on this as well. And Jesus begins to talk about material stuff. And what does he say? He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, what's the deal there? I mean, Jesus almost makes it sound like you have to choose, like one or the other. What, what's going on here? This is not sounding very live long and prosperous, Pastor. <laughs> you told us we were going to learn about living long and prospering. He goes on. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And I think this tells us something about his disciples who he's teaching. His disciples were the kind of people who had to worry about whether they were going to have food or drink, whether they were going to have clothes to wear. The disciples he was talking to were poor. And he says to them, don't worry about that kind of stuff. See, rich people don't worry about whether they're going to go to lunch today, right? They worry about where they're going to go to lunch today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Rich people don't worry about whether they're going to have lunch. They worry about, you know, is my steak going to come out a little too rare? Am I going to have to send it back in, (laughs) you know? The things that we worry about, you know, is, is the service good enough here? And, and rich people don't worry about whether they're going to have anything to wear. I mean, ladies are notorious for saying, I have nothing to wear, but they never mean that their closet is empty, right? <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It just means nothing quite matches or, or they can't find the right accessory to go with the outfit that they had planned to wear and nothing else fits right today. And so, you know, that's, again, we could say that's a rich people problem. Rich people worry about that kind of stuff and whether, you know, whether, whether I can find the right pair of shoes for the, you know, I've got the brown belt on today, so I had to wear the brown shoes. You know, I didn't want to wear the black shoes with the brown belt or my daughter that's three years old would say, Daddy. <laughs> you laugh, but she did that to me the other day. She, she was, uh, <laughs> I'll just, this is, a, this is bonus, okay? I'm walking down the hall, and, and she stops in the middle of playing and says, Daddy, you can't wear socks with Crocs. <laughs> I'm like, says who? <laughs> who teaches you this? I don't know. Blaming Julie. Not only this, but 
rich people worry about a whole host of things that poor people don't ever get to because they're still stuck at food, clothing, stuff like that. So they don't worry about whether, whether their home decor is nice enough to have someone over. They don't worry about whether their hair has enough volume and curl. They don't worry about whether their car has enough horsepower or their guns have enough magazines to hold enough bullets. They don't worry about things like that, do they? And so we know something about Jesus' disciples to whom he was teaching all this. And hear what he says. He says, basically, don't worry about that stuff. Stop it. If your father takes care of flowers in the field, if he takes care of birds in the air, isn't he going to take care of you? And he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. You can translate it pagans, you can translate it Gentiles, but any way you slice it, he's talking about his disciples versus people in the world. And people in the world, they chase after material stuff. They're all about the material stuff. He says, you're going to be different. You're going to be different. And finally, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now this is another one of those verses we have to be careful with, right? If you just take this verse and you just lay it out there and all these things can mean anything you want it to mean, right? What is Jesus talking about? Verse before he said, He knows you need them. Need those basic necessities of life, right? And, and here Jesus says, If you'll seek first His kingdom, his righteousness, then all those needs will take care of. But this is not a, a license to just fill in the blank, you know, with the BMW or whatever you want it to be. This is about needs. And again, we come back to the fact that a lot of times we get our needs and our, want, our wants a little misconstrued, don't we? So what do we do with all this? How do we sum up the way that God feels about this issue of wealth? I think if you, if you look from the beginning to end in Scripture and you say, what does God say consistently about wealth? Well, one thing for sure that He does is He gives pity to the poor time and again, time and again. And He gives warnings to the wealthy time and again from front to back over and over again. Pity to the poor and warnings to the wealthy. And if you fill out your note card, those are your two blanks for today. And I think Jesus, what he's saying here, strikes right through the middle of that. Pity to the poor and, and warnings to the wealthy. Because consider this, if you're listening to Jesus say these words, it get, if you're poor and you're listening, that's comforting, right? If I'll seek first God's kingdom... He'll provide for my needs. But if you're wealthy and you're listening to that, you're saying, okay, if I seek first your kingdom, what about all these other things? <laughs> what about all my other stuff? Where does that fall on the list? See, that, that's a little uncomfortable, Jesus, because I mean, you're guaranteeing the needs thing, but I've got all this other stuff too. And if I seek first your kingdom instead of seeking first all that stuff, 
then what's going to happen to my stuff? (laughs) And so Jesus drives right through the heart of what God continually says throughout his law, throughout the prophets, throughout the Proverbs. Pity for the poor and warnings for the wealthy. Hope for the poor. Woe to the wealthy. What do we do with this? How do we get to a place? I mean, how does, how does this work? To where we don't worry so much about the stuff and the material things and just trust God to take care of our needs. It's almost like we really need the things of this earth to, go, to grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. And Jesus offers a different hope. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And Jesus clearly thinks that that outshines the rest of the stuff. And our hope, if our hope is just to live long and prosperous lives now, we're missing out. I mean, that's, that hope is too small. I mean, just if we had Jesus only, that would be better, right? And yet He promises us a share in His kingdom. He promises us the new heavens and the new earth. He promises us Eden restored and, and new bodies. and I mean, the promises go on and on that we can share. In him. And the greatest part of all is that we get to be living in the right relationship with God for eternity. And yet we get so caught up in the things of this world. The other day I walked, uh, I, I have a tendency to go to bed too late. I'll say, I'm going to bed at 8 tonight because I haven't been sleeping and then I'm good to get to bed at like midnight, you know. So <laughs> this happened the other day and Julie had fallen asleep uh, in our room and the lights were dim and, and I had, I guess, not fallen asleep in the living room. <laughs> and so I walked in to get ready for bed and I tiptoed through the room and, and I closed the bathroom door behind me before I turned the light on because I'm a nice husband like that. And so I did that, and I brushed my teeth and did all that stuff, and then turned the light back off and opened the door. Problem was, I couldn't see to tiptoe back through the room, you know, to get to bed. So you have to kind of take it real slow or else just wait, right? And we've all had that moment at some point, and that's because there's this phenomenon where when a bright light is shining in you, I thought about bringing a flashlight and shining Jeb right in the eyes, but then I thought something could damage his vision and then he'd sue me, but, so we're just skipping that. But, but you've all had that experience where you've looked straight at a bright light and then when you look away, everything else is a lot darker than it was. And it's the same way with this that Jesus is teaching. That if you'll keep your eyes on what's truly glorious and bright and rich and what's really living long and prospering, then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. I bet everyone at some point has said something like this. They'd say, I used to want blank until I saw blank, right? And, and so it might be something like this. I used to want 
a, a coach purse, ladies. And then I saw Vera Bradley, and I just love those bright colors. And I had to have one, and so forget the coach. You know, I put the coach on consignment. I've got to get the Vera Bradley. You know, or for someone else, it might be, you know, I used to want a Honda until I heard that Harley. Oh. I used to want that Cadillac until I saw the Mercedes. Or, you know, or for normal ones of us, you know, I used to want that Ford until I saw that Lincoln, you know, or something like that. I used to think our house was nice, but then I went to their house. Maybe I want to move into that neighborhood. I used to think my job was pretty good, but then I heard about my neighbor's job. Why didn't they tell me about that job when I was going to college? (laughs) We've all done that. And see, the thing is, when you find something that you want, you know, you, you chase after it, but then you find something you want even more, and you're like, forget that. That matters not at all to me anymore because I'm focused on getting the new thing that I want that's better than that. And we all do this with stuff all the time. And maybe it's time that we look at all the stuff that we've ever had on our list and say, you know what, I used to want all of that stuff until I heard about Jesus and His kingdom and now, you know, that stuff really doesn't matter so much. What I'm after is this. That's so much richer. I want to give you a couple of just practical things because, you know, that's a great sentiment, a great mantra. You know, I used to want this until I saw Jesus. And we can think about that and that's good to think about and we need to think about it. I want to give you just a couple of things that you're not going to like and, and, and just ask you to do them. <laughs> or at least consider doing them. And the first one is to start praying the prayer that's printed on your card, on the note card in your bulletin. There's a prayer printed there. It's taken from Proverbs, which is a collection of wise sayings in the Bible from a long, long time ago. And yet it's amazing how wise they still are. And there's this prayer in there that probably is not that comfortable to pray, but it's probably pretty wise to pray. You can read along. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Who needs Him? Right? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And this, you know, it again splits, just like Jesus did, splits that pity to the poor and, and warnings to the wealthy right down the middle and just says, God, keep me right in the middle. Give me enough, but not too much, and not too little. And that's my prayer. Would you be bold enough to start praying that? Because most of us in this room, we do have too much. So it takes a little bit of courage to pray a prayer like that, doesn't it? And I want to give you one more challenge, and this one is, you know, it'll be really easy to make an excuse of why you don't have to do it, because you don't have to do it. But, I just think if you never do it, well, let me just put it this way. If, 
if it's something that you need to do in your life, then my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will just keep gnawing at you about it until you feel like you have to do it. But for some of you, it may not be an issue and you may not need to be gnawed at. But I just had this crazy idea that what if, just to prove this to yourself, of what you're seeking first, whether it's the stuff or the kingdom, what if you took something that you really want? I mean, I'm talking about more than like a stick of gum, right? Something significant that you really want. Maybe you've been saving up for it. Maybe you just bought it. And would you be willing just to say, I'm going to give that to something else? I mean, that's crazy. I know it feels crazy because you've been saving towards, you know, the new iPhone or whatever it is, you know, but just to say, just to prove to myself that I'm seeking the right things first and not this stuff first. Because, you know, if, if, if that sounds crazy right off the bat to take something big that, that we're really wanting, but, I mean, yeah, we don't need it, but I really want it and I've been saving for it. It'd be stupid just to throw that money away now. If that feels really hard to do, then what is that? Is that an indicator of something going on in, in our hearts that makes that so hard to do? And so would you be willing just to, and I'm not even saying give it here, just give it somewhere for a kingdom cause. Take that money that you've been saving up or take that item that someone else can use or sell that item that you just got or just you know something radical and crazy. And just give it to something. You know, give it to Grace Place to help feed the poor just across the river. Give it to uh, Project 41, who's, who's starting up this Esther's home, which is a, kind of like a refuge, a, a place for young women to live when they're rescued from sex trafficking. Right here in our community. And they're trying to get this house started. They've gotten the property, and now they're getting the stuff to go in the property. What if you gave the item or the money to that. Or the list could go on. You, you might know someone personally that needs it more than you do. Would you be willing to do that? Now all this today is not to say that God never wants you to have anything but rice and beans. All this is not to say that... Uh, you know, I mean, in fact, God's compassion towards the poor proves otherwise, right? He wants better for us. On, on the other hand, all this is not to say that it's a sin to have things that you want. In addition to needs. All this is not to say that rich people are evil and that there's no hope for them. Jesus just said, it's hard, but for God all things are possible. Finally, this is not to say that you shouldn't demonstrate financial wisdom and planning and strive to leave something good for the next generation rather than a heap of debt or expenses. It's not even to say that God won't bless you as you trust Him and prove yourself to be a good steward of what He's entrusted. It's just that to suggest in any way that God wants all of His followers to be blessed by extreme material wealth is, is just a major distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's just, let's just consider 
the gospel of Jesus Christ for a moment. Let's just consider Jesus and his disciples for a moment. Jesus came from a, a carpenter's family in a small town. Now, how much do you think a small town carpenter is going to make? <laughs> and he left heaven for that. And then he even gave that up to start traveling around and doing ministry. And when a disciple came to join his ranks one day, he said, You know, right, that I'm homeless. <laughs> I've got no place to lay my head. When they fed the 5,000, you know, and they, had, they, they found the five loaves and, and the two fish, did you ever stop and think, why didn't the disciples just grab their own loaves and fish? Wonder what they were going to eat if they had to borrow some boy's bread and fish just for Jesus to do that miracle. His disciples, you know, when they would travel, they used to take advantage of, of the law of Moses that said that they could go and grab some grain as they traveled by a field and just mash it up in their hand and eat it as they went because they were hungry and need. Jesus once sent them out to do ministry with nothing, no supplies, for days, just go and do it. This is how they live. It's crazy. Okay, okay, well that's, you know, that was Jesus, that was the launch of ministry. But surely when the church started, things got better, right? I mean, what about somebody like Paul that planted all those churches? And, you know, I mean, surely they took care of him. I bet he had it pretty good, didn't he? And actually, you know, Paul, we believe, came from a pretty wealthy background because... I mean, for one, his family had Roman citizenship, and that's a pretty prestigious thing, if you're not, you know, a Roman. And then, for two, he went and learned from one of the elite teachers of his day, you know, and they didn't have, I'm guessing, that they didn't have scholarship programs and student loan programs back then. So, if you went to an elite teacher, like that's like going to Harvard without student loans or something, you know, it's, it's not going to be cheap. And yet, Paul gave up all of that for the gospel. Gave it all up. I mean, there were times he had to stop and just make a tent and sell it so he could keep going and have enough to keep going on the mission. What about the, the mother church in Jerusalem that, where it all began? They got so poor and destitute that other poor churches all over you know, Greece and Macedonia started taking up collections and offerings out of their poverty to give to the more impoverished church in Jerusalem. Oh, but I'm, I'm sure that if, if you really want that BMW bad enough and you pray hard enough and you, you know, draw a circle around it and do that whole thing, then God would be glad to give that to you, right? Where do we get that? The gospel is a beautiful thing partly in large part because of what all Jesus gave up to come walk these dusty roads all the way to Calvary for you and for me and gave, made the ultimate sacrifice so that now we have the choice to say okay well he did that much for me what in this world would be too much to give up for him? 
I mean, when you consider the glory and the grace, what is there in this world that really compares? The stuff that we think we need so much, does that compare to Jesus Christ, our Savior? Surely not. Surely not. And so maybe you're here today and you just have been caught up in the rat race or trying to keep up with the Joneses. (laughs) Can you imagine how freeing it would be just to step out of that and say, I'm going to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, I'm going to keep my eyes set on the glory of Jesus Christ and the hope that I have in Him. May all this dim in the light of your glory and grace. Can you imagine how differently people would look at you? Can you imagine how much wiser and more mature your kids will be if you raise them this way? instead of the world's way, even knowing that everyone else's mom and dad is going to look at you as the weird ones. No telling, and then they'll say nasty things about you. Can you believe they don't buy their kids this, 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 and this? But what if we live different? What if our church here at Cypress Street Church of God lived different? I mean, if just we started living this out, what a difference it would make in our immediate community, in our world. Would you just sing with me? We just sang it a moment ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace god give us neither poverty nor riches just give us our daily bread we ask Take care of our needs. Forgive us for the times when we've thought that the stuff of this world just seemed oh so attractive. Holy Spirit, help us to seek your kingdom first. Help us to put the stuff in the right perspective. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.